Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Chan's Logic People Project, where we talk about people, the things they do, and the trials and tribulations that happen along the way. Today, I have Katie. Katie, she's a keto ninja, and she's super pumped to be here. I'm excited to have her here. So why don't you introduce yourself, Katie? Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And I love the description of keto ninja. I think that's going to have to like go in my bio line now. Super cool. Um, so yeah, so my name's Kate Jaramillo, and I am the founder of Ketogen. Living 101 and the creator of Ketogenic Living 101 Nutrition Program, Ketogenic Living 102, and um, the Ketogenic Living Coach Certification Program. And yeah, and it's super fun. I love this, you know, fat fueled life. I work and I live, I work from home and I live in Miami, Florida, which is not my hometown. I'm originally from Pennsylvania where it's much cooler, especially this time of year. We are having like a cold front right now in Miami, which is like 65 degrees and it's hilarious because I'm walking my kids to school and everybody's like bundled up in like a hat and gloves and I'm like oh my gosh like your skin needs to thicken they're like we're falling apart here the world is ending everyone's got like their heaters on like you know you walk around the neighborhood and you hear people's like air conditioners on right now it's like heat you know that they're running heat in their house it's hilarious it's funny when that happens it snowed here the other night and there's been like 18 car crashes the streets are closed nobody it's just like a disaster movie. There's cards sideways in the streets. Well, here we go. Here's winter. (laughs) I know. Same. And this is the same thing up north too. Like, um, I moved from Philadelphia to Miami and like, you know, it's a big city, but I remember like being in college at Temple University. And when this, when it, when it snowed, like, temple like shut down. Like I remember having like two snow days and city snow is so different than like suburb snow where I'm from. Like I'm from Hershey, Pennsylvania and then Philly. And you know, we were, we had like these like white powdery snows and we were going sledding and stuff. And then in Philly you have like this like black sludge that people are like throwing at each other. It's hilarious. Yeah. You're like, all right, Good hey, catch, catch the sludge. If yeah. you eat it, let me know how it tastes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like in between shots of like, you know, like jungle juice and playing power hour with 40s. It's yeah. good times. This is good times. We're always warm if we do this. Totally. <laughs> so talk to me about how you got into keto. So did you just come out of the womb eating fats and loving it and <laughs> getting ketone bodies and, and living the ketone dream? Or how did you get exposed to this and how did you grow up and kind of figure out what you wanted to do? So, you know, I'm from Hershey, Pennsylvania. So no, I definitely did not grow up living La Vida Keto. I grew <laughs> up um, with chocolate milk in my bottle and eating a lot of desserts and honestly, like, a lot of processed foods. Like, um, God bless my parents, you know, but like my mom was not really a cook and she still, she still doesn't really like to cook. Um, and so a lot of our food came from a bag or a box or the drive-thru window. And, um, and it, but I think that I've kind of been blessed with like good genetics, which is interesting. So, I actually don't know my family health history at all. I'm adopted and I don't know anything about, you know, like my biological parents or anything. In fact, I actually have the 23andMe DNA kit right here that I'm going to do in a couple of days. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, But, but I think somewhere along 
that chain of DNA, I was blessed with genetics that allowed me to like eat this way and not be, you know, morbidly obese. Um, and then, and I wasn't really like into a lot of sports and fitness either. I did a few things when I was in middle school, like track and cheerleading and stuff. And then in high school I did swimming and diving. Um, but even, you know, by my senior year, I wasn't doing any sports. I was like the editor of my, you know, high school newspaper and, um, yearbook and stuff like that. Um, and even, you know, throughout college too, it wasn't a time that I was like working out. It wasn't a time that I was like eating really well (laughs) either. Um, like I was staying up really late, barely sleeping, you know, cramming for tests and eating, you know, pizza and burgers and cheesesteaks. Right. Um, but again, (laughs) I know they were like, take 20 credits for med school. It'll be wonderful. You'll have no issues. And I remember, okay, it's three in the morning. I just took a 10 shot Americano and I'm sleeping in the micro lab. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like I remember Vicodin or no, was it, what was it called? Not Vicodin. Um, not the, but it was like the, you know, like the caffeine pills. Oh yeah. It was like, uh, was it the B one? Maybe. I don't know. It was like, it was not good, but I definitely remember living off of those yeah. for like a little while. So, so super healthy. Um, True. And we I'm had surprised a we're not dead after oh all my that. God, I know, right? <laughs> or like Xenadrin. I used to take that a lot too. Um, not for like weight loss or going like, um, you know, to the gym or anything. I took it to like stay up or I took it to go out and like it's so true. that I could stay up going out and then, you know, come back home and drink more beer and vodka so I could go back to sleep. Um, but that's all my life was and it was fun and, and all things were good. Um, but yeah, and I wasn't really into like fitness at all. In fact, I didn't really, I went to the gym once in high school and I was training with a personal trainer that was also, he happened to be like one of the assistant diving coaches. And he just, I had a really intense training session after, you know, somebody who is who, who never worked out before, like went to the gym, got trained really hard. And then I literally like could not sit down, <laughs> could not sit down for days. And it made me not want to go back to the gym. You yeah, know, like, that sucked. I don't want to. Yeah. Like, that. I'm like I'm stiff. I'm sore. And I'm like 16 and I want to just sit in my car and drive places. So, um, so I really didn't even go back to the gym until I was like 25. Um, and I was working for the chamber of commerce in Philadelphia and we had this amazing gym gym membership at the sporting club. And I started going with a coworker of mine and what we first started going to was spin class. And for a girl that like loved being in the club, um, I was like, Oh my God, this is so awesome. It's dark. There's loud EDM. And like, I'm sweating my ass off on a bike. Like this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like this is the dream. (laughs) It was totally the dream. Um, and so I was like doing hardly any strength training at all. I did take a few like boot, like boot camp class once a week, but mostly I was taking like three or four spin classes a week, a boot camp, and then maybe some yoga. Um, but it got me at least into fitness this way. Um, and, and just kind of like as a natural progression, I started eating a little cleaner. Um, you know, just, just eating like more, I don't know that I ever, except for like college years and, well, I don't know that I ever purposely ate really, really bad food. Um, and I like to cook. So being living on my own, having a great gym membership, um, living in, you know, center city, Philadelphia, I'm like walking around, like picking up fresh salads and fresh greens, going to whole foods. So it just kind of naturally happened that I cleaned up my diet a little bit. 
Um, and then I got certified as a spin instructor and it was really like teaching classes was like happy hour money. Like, woo, 25 bucks. Going this is to perfect. I'm burning week. it off. Burning exactly. It off right exactly. <laughs> and I totally had that mentality. Like, oh, I'll just like go out and eat whatever because I'm going to jump on the spin bike, you know, the next day. You know, I think we, we all think like that at some point. Maybe we still That's do. That's true. Um, okay, I'm making a deposit right now. It's going to be great. <laughs> a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Um, and I actually, so I was eating like clean and things like that. And then um, when I was 30 or 29, um, but you know, a couple months later turned 30, um, I got pregnant with my first daughter. Um, and I was definitely focused on eating like more clean foods then. Although I will tell you that like, I definitely had at least one or two bowls of like cereal per night, cereal and scrambled eggs and olive garden soup salad and breadsticks were what I craved. You get those weird cravings. Like, what do you want? I don't pickles with rocks on them. I don't know why. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And now that I'm pregnant, it's like even it's on like another level of cravings. Um, but I was like cleaning up my diet, working out with her and everything. And actually after she was born, I decided not to go back to work. Um, which is, I never, ever thought that I would not be working. Um, but I was like three weeks out from my maternity leave and I got this email that was like, Oh, like, you know, three more weeks and come back to work. Are you ready? And I was like, I'm holding my little baby. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't leave her. Like I can't leave my baby. Um, so, so we moved down to Florida and, um, And I, you know, I just a stay at home mom and I kept, I was like walking by this, um, small boutique spin studio, just like kind of randomly. And I just called them up and I was like, Hey, are you looking for instructors? And I hadn't been on a bike in like a year. Um, but they were like, yeah, like come in and audition. And so I did, and I I got a job there. Um, and it was super duper part-time, like literally just something. So like I I would have something to do for myself. Um, and again, like you know, just being back in that environment, um, just made me want to research nutrition a little bit more. And I, you know, now I'm working at other gyms and stuff too, and I'm getting additional like certifications. I, I taught all, like all the Beachbody live formats. I was an insanity live and and P90X master trainer. Um, so insanity, that's what, like when the whole marketing world shifted, it it was, went from, you can do this in seven minutes to, this is going to be the hardest thing you ever experienced. You may die, but if you choose to accept your mission, It's going to be fun. Oh, I have cried, spit, like, you know, bled my way through those workouts for sure. Um, But, you know, at that time, I really loved that style of working out. (laughs) Now, not so much, but I did. Um, And, um, you know, and people were always asking me like, oh, like, what do you do? Like, what should I eat before a workout? Which which should I eat? You know, should I eat anything before a workout? Um, And and I was just kind of studying sports nutrition at the time. Um, and, and it's all good and everything, but I was eating like six small meals a day and focusing on calories in calories out kind of more higher carb, lower fat, never stopped eating sugar. Like that was just kind of my jam. I always needed something sweet. And I always had that crash at like 3 PM, that energy crash. But all of those things I thought were, were normal. And then it wasn't until I was really, I was following Dr. Josh Axe, who I, I just love him as a person. And I, I went through his Institute of Nutritional Leadership. And in that program, he was the one that started talking about keto. He, he was the first person that I ever heard about keto from, like, you know, three and a half years ago. Um, and it 
really just made sense to me outside of wanting to eat this types of food. Like I'm a bacon girl. I really like bacon. Um, and avocados. Yeah, bacon makes the world go round. <laughs> right? It's like the best like condiment, like side yeah. dish. Main I have course. this thing in my kitchen that says bacon, the reason we're not vegetarians. Um, I'm going to need to know where you got that because I'm going to need yeah. that in my kitchen too. <laughs> I got like a mug from the dollar <laughs> store that says bacon gives me a reason to wake up. <laughs> like, yeah, this is true. It's the best. I remember in college, uh, someone said something about veganism and like stopping to eat meat. Mm-hmm. So I made something called Bacon Eaters Empowering Peace. It was oh beep. Oh my gosh. It was That's our hilarious. movement. <laughs> beep was, I love that. And you know what? I did try like vegetarianism and I tried veganism. Um, I, okay, when we were trying to conceive my second daughter, I had this idea in my head that, um, cause I was like studying on like how to conceive a boy, true story. And apparently like if you, if the woman makes her body more like alkaline, um, than acidic, like you, you're creating a more, like you're creating an environment for, um, for like boy sperm to survive. And this is all super crazy by the way. Like not that I know a ton about genetics, but like I do know that a man's sperm determines the gender of a baby. So, um, but I, we went, I like forced every, like I forced my husband and stuff to go on this like alkaline diet. That didn't feel right for me either. Like I didn't like what I was eating and I just never felt like really satisfied. And again, still crashing every day at 3 PM and just not loving life. Um, but when, I heard Dr. Axe talk about keto and he's saying like, this is what he uses with his clients to like help them lose weight really fast. Um, I was like, Oh, well, I mean, that's something that's really interesting because I am, I have a lot of women coming to my classes and a lot of women asking me how they can lose weight and how they can lose weight quickly. But the more I like studied it, I just became, I just became so interested in the science behind it. And, and then just, like learning more about the chronic and life-threatening disease treatment and and possible prevention. Um, you know, I can't obviously legally say like keto cures. I just know what I've read. Um, and if you're not a doctor, I can't stand up and say, this is my belly button, but I can point in a general area and tell you that's where it is. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I do know that like most cancer cells can only survive off of glucose. Like that's their primary fuel source. So if you deprive it of its primary fuel source, of its only fuel source, then it's probably going to starve to death. Um, so that makes sense to me. So it just really made sense. And so, um, it was, I experimented on myself first and was really just not so much looking at like the whole macro picture and, you know, like what, how much carbs, fat and protein I should be eating per day. I really just focused on carbs at first and just keeping them under 20 net grams. Um, and making sure that my, my food sources were good, you know, like I've never really been someone to buy a lot of like the packaged, um, keto products. I know that there are some good ones out there. They're just, I I like to cook anyway. There's so so many things out there. It's like, Hey, look, it's a pancake, but it's keto. And I'm like, Hey, look, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So you switch to keto to eat healthy. So it doesn't mean we need to get keto flavored pancakes and all these other things to substitute or whatever. And use those as your cheat meals. Have fun. Right. Exactly. Well, right. And that's kind of the thing about that, the sugar addiction, like, especially from, for me, like I always felt like I needed a sweet bite after a meal to feel satisfied. So whether I'm replacing that sweet bite with something that actually has sugar in it or has a sugar replacement or is still sweet tasting, it's still the same thing. And I really wanted to break the habit 
Yeah, that's the food porn. The food porn concept. Yeah. The second you taste it, smell it, see it, you're already digesting it. So you may as well eat the real thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I will I will be honest though, like for the first like six months of my own keto journey, I totally like lived off of those sweet fat bombs. I did. Like I I really didn't want to eat sugar anymore. But I really wasn't in a place where I could like cut out the sweets cold turkey. Um, and you know what? Cold turkey, it just for me and how, how my like life and body and brain work has really never been, has really never worked for me. I know some people can do it. They can, you know, just like go all in with everything. I kind of personally just need to ease in a little bit more and let my body like naturally do things like naturally progress into intermittent fasting, you know, like, um, I think that's more sustainable as well. And when you're teaching people that if you tell them to go cold Turkey, they're going to say, well, I'm not going to do that. And they're going to fail. Yeah. But if you ease them into it, they actually do it. Even if they don't realize they're doing it, they eventually end up doing it. You're totally right. And like, I've had some clients that I've worked with too tell me that they, they're an all in type of person. Oh, I like to go all in all at once. Like I, I, I want to just do carnivore like right away after eating the standard American diet for my whole life. I just, I'm going to go carnivore. Okay. Well, I mean like I can, I can help guide you safely and effectively through that, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think it's going to work for you. Like I think, yeah. I think yeah, maybe like, idea. right. I think two or three, like two or three days and you're going to be great. And then by, you know, day four or something like that, you're going to be like, you know, you're going to land face first in a dozen donuts. Yeah. And you're going to wake up with a cheeseburger wrapper on your chest and a liter of cola next yeah. to you three days later, not know what happened or how you got there. And that's your, your food coma you end up, ended up in. Yeah, exactly. And then feeling like a failure and feeling like, oh, this didn't work. It's just one of those other things that didn't work for you. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's the best strategy. And we, I, I have people all the time who, are, who say, okay, I want to get this started. Mm-hmm. And what do I need to take away? And I'm like, okay, so psychologically, if I tell you to take things away, you're going to look at me as a bad person. You're not going to want to do it. And you're going to get upset and hate this. So I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you to add things in and you're going to automatically take away the things that don't fit into your diet anymore. Yeah. And we're all going to look like heroes. Yeah. And that's, that's a perfect approach. Like focusing on like all the things that you can have now Um, and you know, all the things that you were eliminating, that's kind of what I really love about keto. Like what, when I'm first able to talk to some clients about it, um, you know, things that like identifying things that they've cut out for such a long period of time that they really miss and want to add back in. I'm like, great, let's add it back in now. Like all the bacon, (laughs) not all the bacon, but you know what I mean? It's so good. Not even Turkey bacon. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. It, that's so funny. Like I was, I did like a Facebook live, I think like a couple years ago, I was shopping at Aldi and I grabbed like one of their, like the never any bacon packets, like, you know, like their bacon that doesn't have any like crap in it. And then I grabbed a thing of like their turkey bacon and I'm like flipping it over and I'm like, all right, you guys. So like what's healthier, you have like mechanically separated turkey with all this other like crap added to it to make it taste like something, or you have bacon that was cut from, you know, a pig pork belly. And now yeah, what's better. And yeah. this turkey is, look at it, it even says it's like 20% water. And so you're just getting a turkey filled with water to make it look more plump. And then when you cook it, it looks like it's this little tiny thing. Yeah. Uh, and so what's important to you, the, the processed style of meat that's been 
put mm-hmm. together with 17 different sources and there's probably pork in that turkey that you don't realize as well mm-hmm. or the, the just standard pork that doesn't have anything bad in it that was produced in a farm that took care of the animals yeah oh my gosh exactly exactly it's so like you like you just said anything can be marketed to like keto or low carb now like these like keto pancakes or there's just so many different products out there and like it's it's true it's, it's just and you just want to like tell your client like and I, I do this I'm like just eat real food just you know eat real food pick fattier cuts of protein pick lower carb vegetables add in some healthy fats that you enjoy like healthy fats not the ones that are like canola oil and vegetable oil and soybean oil and stuff um and you know what it's literally as easy as that <laughs> And that's yeah, all what I mean, we do in my family. I've got like a true. litter of kids. So like I'm not making different meals for everybody. And they're all picky in their own way. Oh, yeah. And they're all, the kids especially, they're like, I'm not eating that. And like, well, I guess you're just going to starve. I yeah. What's going to happen? So totally. figure it out. <laughs> I, and I made that mistake in like the very beginning with us. Like I was like, oh, my God, like sugar's so bad for you. And I'm getting rid of all of this stuff in our house that I brought in that you guys love. Um, and we're never going to have it again. And now I'm making these like super fancy meals with all of these interesting ingredients. And I'm putting it on the plate. My kids are like, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> Like, oh, I lost too much too soon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Kids don't like change. They're like, oh, well, you know what? I don't want to eat this. No, but it, it, what worked for us was like phasing things out, you know, like once, um, once the bags of pirate booty were gone and once like the boxes of cereal were gone, I just didn't replace them. Um, and what I did like, and now like for breakfast, my kids always have mostly almost always have a hot breakfast. So we do like a lot of eggs and avocado. Um, sometimes they'll have like yogurt and fruit. My kids do eat a lot more like fruit and a lot of different, you know, vegetables. And I'm really lucky that they actually like that stuff. Um, but as far as like family meals go, um, I, you know, I make, I use my instant pot or my crock pot, usually my instant pot. That is totally my jam, best kitchen appliance ever. Um, and I just kind of put, you know, a fatty cut of protein in there that we all like, you know, like chicken thighs or pork shoulder or, you know, something along those lines. Um, And I I cook that and then I serve it with a side of like vegetables and like sometimes I'll drizzle like butter on their broccoli or I'm putting, I really like olive oil, like extra, a good quality extra virgin olive oil um, on my vegetables and like we call it a day. And if they want something sweet after a meal, they're typically going for fruit, berries or something. Yeah, with, which I think is great. You teach kids this is the this is how we eat. This is, these are the things we have. We're not taking mm-hmm. anything away. We're just adding these super fun foods. And then at the same time, I think one of the big things is to teach them that it's it's not bad to eat these other things. Totally. We're just eating these things because they're better. If you go to a friend's house and you eat cake, that's fine. You're yep. saying, we're just going to eat the same thing at home so they don't have a complex later in life. Exactly. And that's so important, I think. Like and you know, luckily, like my my kids are healthy. Like they don't have you know celiac or anything like that that would prevent them from going to a birthday party and not being able to eat like cake and ice cream and pizza and stuff. They they can eat all of that and they do. But I've noticed that um, they definitely eat less of that food when we're at those events than they did before. And like my um, my seven year old, she she notices she used to be the one just like me who would go for like that end piece of the cake with like the big icing flour on it, you know, and, and eat like the whole, like all the icing first and then the rest of the cake. Um, and now if she goes for something like that, she's like, Oh, like she'll take a few bites and she's just like, Oh, like I don't, I don't feel so good. 
Yeah, they recognize it. They're like, I, mm-hmm. I feel sick when I eat that. Uh-huh. So then they eat less. And kids are so driven by how I feel. Then if it feels bad, they're not going to do it anymore. They're not going to want to do it. And like, totally. okay, let's have a sliver and I'll, yeah. a little piece. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think too, like some of the things that we've done in our house that have like, I'm kind of looking at like the, like their lifetime here, you know, I don't know how immediate these things are, but like I have really worked on trying to get away from calling different food, like junk, like junk food. Oh, don't eat that. It's junk or whatever. Um, somebody was telling me about this. I think somebody else like coined it, but it is, um, I call things always food and sometimes food. Right. So we have like our always food, which is like, you know, all of our proteins and healthy fats and vegetables and fruits and stuff. And then the sometimes food, which is, you know, like pizza, burgers, um, pirate booty, you know, something like that. But just, and so they don't call food junk either. And they don't have that relationship with food. I mean, at some point, they're probably going to rebel against me a little bit. So I don't want them to rebel with like, <laughs> I'm just going to eat junk because mom told me it was bad. Yeah, I love all the bad. And I think that's a good concept mm-hmm. because you prime them to understand that this is what they eat most of the time and this is what's okay some of the time versus this is bad. And mm-hmm. you don't prime that negative construct in their mind. So then yeah. they go, oh, you know what? That's bad. So I'm going to eat all of it. <laughs> Instead, yeah. they'll grow up and they'll say, hey, so, uh, you know, I eat that sometimes and it's fun, but we eat this most yeah. of the time. Yeah, totally, totally. And then then the other piece is like the food is a reward, you know? Well, Mm -hmm. if you do this, then you'll get ice cream. Or if you finish your food, then you'll get this. Like, I do still... Um, you know, like, okay, so right now we have got a gingerbread house that that they made. And so they want to eat the gingerbread, and um, which is fine, but I want to make sure that they've eaten their dinner plate first. Um, And so it's kind of challenging because you don't want to say all right, we'll finish all of your food and then as a, and then you can get gingerbread as a treat or something like that. If they stop eating their meal and then they're like, well, can I have the gingerbread? I'm like, well, if you have room for gingerbread, then you have room for, you know, the rest of your plate. So I'd rather you eat the rest of your plate, which is, you know, our always food rather than like, you know, throwing it in the trash and then eating your, your sometimes food. Yeah, and, and it gets it away from the desserts always on their mind. Like If I eat a yeah. little bit of this or if I pretend to eat it and hide it somewhere, then I can eat more of this because this mm-hmm. is better. And it puts them in the situation where you, you just fill up and then you have whatever else you want to at the end of it if you have room yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's how we roll. They're trying to anyway. I mean, I'm just doing my best, you know, like, and some days are still like, you know, Annie's organic mac and cheese or frozen chicken nuggets or something like it's true. You do make do with what you with got. It. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We just we just had a a, a little girl. She's twenty weeks old now. Oh my god! Congratulations. Thanks. But it's always just people are like, oh, you, you're doing great, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. We just figure it out along the way. There's no manual for this, and sometimes things go well. Sometimes she poops her pants, and we I have poo in my yeah. pocket. But otherwise, totally. we're always just figuring it out and rolling deep with the with whatever we got and going with the flow. Yeah, I'm winging it a hundred percent, and I'm pregnant now. Like we have. Um, we're expecting a, so we have, I've got two girls. My husband has a girl, so I have a stepdaughter. So we've got three, three girls. And then we have a boy coming, um, in April and there will be no more babies after that. Full house. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so many kids, but, um, and, and so even the way that like I live keto has changed a lot in, in my pregnancy. And it's not just because of like, um, you know, well, I want these other things or I feel that my body like needs these other things. It's that like, there are certain things that I truly cannot bring myself to eat right now. Like I love coconut, love it, 
right now I hate it. Like nothing coconut. Can't stand the taste of it. Yeah. (laughs) Can't stand the taste of coconut. Can't stand anything peanut butter. Um, and even erythritol, which is a sweetener that I was using to make some different like keto baked goods. If I wanted to make something like that, can't, I can't handle it. It gives me a massive headache. So things are just different and I'm definitely eating more like fruits and vegetables. My carbon take I'm sure is much higher, probably not in ketosis right now. And I don't care like at all. Like I'm just trying to like feel good, um, and still eat like clean, fresh foods that are not from like a bag, a box or a drive through window. Yeah, that's it. And that's the practical aspect of it. I'm in this, I'm pregnant, so I need to figure out what's going to make me feel Mm -hmm. better or feel good most of the time because I'm in a general state of misery. If I can get out of that general state and be in a, at least somewhat happy state, then I'm okay and I'm good. And and if that means not being a hundred percent strict on what I'm doing, then that's okay as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. My first trimester, I was so sick and I could not, like the thought of like, um, fats, like, um, bulletproof coffee has always been something that I've loved and treasured. Um, could not do it. Like I, I sip of it throwing up like horrible. Um, but, um, gluten-free pizza, frozen gluten-free pizza. I was like, yeah, this is great. (laughs) Yeah. And like oatmeal, (laughs) those were things that I could actually like tolerate. Um, thank God, like the first trimester ended and I felt okay. By like week 13, I'm like, oh, thank God. No more gluten-free pizza. I'm so over it. I didn't think I was going to make it. I know. Yeah. I can't get out of bed. I'm literally dying. Yeah. Yeah. So talk me through, if people listening don't know what keto is, how would you describe keto to someone who's not a scientist and just rolled off the street and was like, you know what? I was considering keto or vegan. What's Mm -hmm. keto? Yeah. So keto is a a diet that is a way of living because I hate the word diet, but like, you know, it's a way of living and eating that is high in healthy fats. You're going to moderate your protein intake and it's low in carbohydrates. So if you were looking at a circle, a graph about... 70, 75% of your daily calories are coming from healthy fats, healthy fats. So like think of like all the amazing natural fats that are in like ribeye steak and grass fed ground beef and chicken wings and chicken thighs and duck and, you know, good quality bacon and eggs. Eggs are like my favorite, favorite, favorite keto food ever and avocados. Um, you know, and So about 70, 75% of your daily calories are coming from those sources. And then about 20, 25% of your daily calories are coming from protein. You all know what protein is. That's, you know, I was describing it earlier in some of the fats. And then about 5% or less, or maybe a little bit more, maybe up to 10% of your daily calories are going to come from carbohydrates. And it's so funny because I get that question of like, Oh my God, but like you need carbohydrates to live. Well, so you kind of don't, I mean, like everyone is biologically different, but, um, the brain can, the brain and the body, like they actually prefer to run on fat for fuel on the ketone bodies that your body will produce. And when you cut your carbohydrates down pretty low and you up your healthy fats, um, and even the brain does need a little bit of glucose to function properly, but it can get that small amount of glucose that it needs through the protein that you consume. Oh, through gluconeogenesis. <laughs> Sorry. 
Oh, kids. Hi. Yeah, and, and it's ex- it's the way fats are essentially metabolized is your fats turn into your fuel source if you don't have carbohydrates available for that fuel source. And ultimately, that's what the ketone is. It's your body converting fats into a ketone body to be used as fuel rather than using carbs and glucose as fuel if it doesn't have it available. And it's like a checks and balance system. If you don't have any of those, all three of those fats, protein, carbs will be converted to something to be used as fuel. And then if you look at ketone bodies fundamentally in the brain, they, they convert into long chain fatty acids. So you even end up with a sort of medium chain tri- triglyceride or a long chain triglyceride that can be used in a similar way as a carbohydrate. So you essentially get the same thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, but I will say though, like I definitely personally do need a certain amount of carbohydrates to feel my best. Like I, I did experiment with a carnivore approach to keto eating or to eating and living. And, and I really, I, and I thought from like everything that I read, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to like turn into a unicorn with like no carbs and just like, you know, meat and water and stuff and black coffee. I'm going to feel amazing. I felt terrible. I really, I really felt terrible. Um, yeah, and it was worst. just, yeah, I, I just, I really need, I really need a certain amount of carbohydrates to feel, to feel my best. Yeah. And I think that's a good point because you, you ultimately understand how you're feeling and you have to recognize that at the same time. Because I know if I go carnivore, I'll have a, my head will hurt. I, my words won't work. I'll stutter and things will fall apart. And I know at that point that, okay, this is not a good place for me to be in. So then I take a few car, I eat some carbs and all of a sudden I feel better. So then I know, okay, this is my lower limit of intake of carbohydrates that I can handle without falling apart and still being able to function like a normal human, human being. And so after you do this stuff for a while, you really start to recognize where your body's going to function optimally and how it's going to function optimally. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And everyone is so super different. Like I've got I've got several ketogenic living certified coaches that are all about the carnivore approach. Like it makes them feel like a rock star and that's that's what they're so passionate about and what works so well for them that that's what they choose to really like coach clients through and they feel that it's a great elimination diet. Um and I think that that's great for them. I have, um, I've got other clients that feel really good at about 65% fat, 20 to 30%, you know, carbohydrates and then whatever's left over for, or I'm sorry, um, protein and then whatever's left over for carbohydrates. Um, and then, you know, I've had, I've worked with clients too, that feel like awesome at like 80 or more percent fat. Like they feel really great. They look really great. I have experimented with that as well. Um, and it, I, my body looks fluffy. My body looks fluffy when I'm when I'm at that high of a, of a fat intake. But we're all different, right? And I think that that's like the beauty of bioindividuality and whatever works for different people. Yeah, and and a good point to bring on in front on top of that is you can't get religious about the way you're eating. You can't say, okay, I have to eat this keto. I have to eat 50 grams of carbohydrates a day or less. I have to eat one gram because I'm carnivore. I have to do these things or it's not going to work and I don't feel right, but it has to be right. And I think that's a big problem we run into when we get into like, even I always make fun of vegans and and I think it's better than a standard American diet, but we get too religious and cult like Mm -hmm. about it. And, and that's how like the joke comes into play. A vegan and a CrossFitter walk into a bar. What happens? Everybody leaves. 
because they won't stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's how like that that the CrossFitter can maybe be even replaced by the the keto dieter because I think yeah, that that's true. you know, and you're right. I mean, people do get really, really like overzealous about it, like you know, and and that's great. And I and I love you know the passion that everybody has for their different lifestyles because it you know it has them like feeling so amazing and great. Um, but there has to be room for other things, you know, like I, I don't know, like I, I think that there is definitely that, that like cultish approach with, with keto right now. And I'm on, mm-hmm. you know, so many different like Facebook groups and forums and stuff. And man, like somebody asked a question and they're like crucified. Like, wow, that's, that's, that's not keto. Like that drives me crazy. The, that, that's not keto. Like, how do you know how something is affecting somebody's blood glucose level and their ketone production? You don't like, I've got a client who can eat popcorn, popcorn feels great. Doesn't affect him at all. Still measures his blood glucose. No change measures his ketones. No change. Like he can, that is totally fine for him. But if he posted that on a forum, he'd be crucified. That's not keto. Oh my gosh. It's the worst. And when you think about it fundamentally, that's not keto. Well, number one, I'd like to know where you got your degree in biochemistry to define what keto is. And then number two, I'd like to know where you got that person's blood work from to understand what's going on. And we get so stuck in our ways that we think what we are saying is always correct and it has to be correct. But in reality, if you you look at the field of nutritional science, they can't agree on anything. And the nutritionists get their information from the biochemists who do actually agree on a few things, but it's, it's a deep, deep integrated science that you have to learn and understand. I remember my first biochemistry class, first day, he said... Here's the citric acid acid cycle. There was all these steps, the whole thing mapped out. If you can't memorize this by the end, you're going to fail. And so that that was it. And it was hours and hours of misery, learning and understanding and and growing and building. And we're still not sure if we're correct about these things. Yeah. And and I also think of keto too as like, okay, so when we're talking about keto as like a diet or whatever, okay, sure. So it's like a nutritional strategy, but ketosis, like is a metabolic state. It's not like the food that we consume is a metabolic state that we're able to put our bodies into depending on, you know, what our bodies need and like how, like, and what it doesn't need in order to produce a certain, like ketone level, right? Between like 0.5 and like five millimolar. So like metabolic state, not food. That's not keto. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You did. You don't have his blood work and I know you can't smell his breath over the internet. So you don't, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to tell if this person's in ketosis or if what they're doing is moving them in and out right. of ketosis. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So if, if, so if people listening don't understand, so a lot of the time we're, we're always talking about fats. And I remember back in the day telling people that saturated fats weren't bad. And in, I don't know, 20, 12, 10, that was mm-hmm. like, you get crucified for totally. it, but we went out and did it. So let's talk about healthy fats. And we often say, okay, these, these kinds of fats are great. We have all, like, all the coconut fats are amazing, the saturated fats, and there's certain fats that are a little bit more pro-inflammatory. But so tell everybody listening what the healthy fats are and why they're healthy and how it helps their body. Yeah. So I look at them and look, even like healthy fats can turn bad, but I'll, t- I'll talk about that in just a second. So, um, I, I look at like a healthy fat as being like in the most like natural form. So like the fats that are coming from our, you know, grass fed, grass finished meats and, you know, um, our good dairy products, our organic dairy products, um, pastured eggs, um, you know, organic pastured, um, chicken, pork, um, wild caught, you know, fish, wild caught salmon. These all have 
like high levels of saturated fat, but they're natural fats. Like they're just coming from the most natural source. And especially when you can really focus on the quality of protein, like something that has been, you know, wild caught or grass fed, grass finished, and they're not eating a bunch of like chemicals and hormones because your body's going to have that too. Um, you know, you, you, you're eating like whatever, like the food that you ate, ate. Um, so that is, those are my favorite sources of natural fats. And then, you know, like a, a unrefined coconut oil, um, high quality olive oil. And I really emphasize high quality olive oils because remember olives are fruit, so they can go bad. And if it's an olive oil, that's sitting on the shelf for a really long time and it's super cheap. Um, you can taste the difference. I mean, like olives go rancid, then they taste really gross. Um, like, um, but you know, macadamia nuts, great sources of fat, almonds, pecans, again, and these are all really natural. I mean, they're just fat that is coming just from the source and, um, avocados are probably one of my favorites, avocado oil, um, macadamia nut oil. These are tallow, like beef tallow, um, Kerrygold butter. (laughs) So that's like grass fed butter. One of my favorites, um, ghee, which is it's butter, but it's, um, the milk fat has been removed, which is pretty good for people that are a little bit more sensitive to dairy. Some people can't, um, handle ghee at all. Um, but even in my experience, a lot of people that are even sensitive to dairy are able to handle ghee because it's clarified butter, you know, the milk fat has been, has been removed, but those are my favorite sources of, of, um, of fat. And then the really unhealthy fats are unfortunately the ones that you see legit all the time. The ones that are in salad dressings and mayonnaise, canola oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, vegetable oil, which doesn't come from vegetables, by the way. Um, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but those are a lot of, you know, the unhealthy, super, super processed hydrogenated oils, um, that have a really high, like omega six to omega three ratio. They're way high in omega sixes, but even, um, even a healthy fat, like I was just talking about, like the olive oils, if, if you go above um, a certain smoke point. So if you're roasting, I think olive oil is around like 375 degrees or 350 degrees. Um, if you go above that, when you're cooking with it, it's going to turn into a bad fat because you pass its smoke point. And so now it's going to start releasing free radicals. And we know of free radicals as being those things that cause, um, inflammation and, and some types of cancer. And oxidation the ultimate yeah. thing that kills us over time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just, it's so easy to get those bad fats in your diet. I mean, unfortunately, especially when you're going out to eat a lot of places, um, we went to Benihana for my birthday. Cause like my kids like to see the guys shipping yeah, the, the show. Yeah, totally. Um, but like, you know, the stuff that they're spraying on the, the grill thing, I was like the teppanyaki, I was like, uh, like I knew it that it was just like all vegetable oil. I'm like, Oh yeah. And I did, I left there like super bloated, but you know, everyone had a good time. <laughs> yeah. You survived. And yeah. one of the big things between, between uh, that I think keto does really well. And, and even paleo, as people start mm-hmm. transitioning, it gets rid of, because evolutionarily we didn't have such a high rate of omega sixes. We had a balanced between Mm omega-6 and omega-3 and when that balance is out of whack and it's in favor of omega-6 we have an inflammatory cascade across our whole body and it's it's the root of autoimmune disease it's the root of why your joints hurt and then looking at the gut-brain connection it's the reason you feel depressed at the same time a thousand percent yeah so your your goal is to you got to balance it so just by switching to these diets you pull down the omega-6s and pull up the omega-3s and now all of a sudden you feel better and you don't understand why that i love that you just pointed that out because there is a really 
crazy rise in autoimmune. I have so many, so many female clients that have been diagnosed with like Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is like an autoimmune condition. It is like, it is like an epidemic and it's gotta be what we're, what we're eating. You know who I really love? Um, Dom Diagostino. He's a, he's a doctor that works at the university of South Florida in Tampa. And, um, his lab, his, his whole practice is really focused on, um, low carbohydrate diets and, um, how they affect, you know, the body and, and their treatment in, you know, chronic and life-threatening disease like cancer and autoimmune and, um, epilepsy, Alzheimer's, other age-related cognitive decline. And what they are finding too, he, he's so passionate about just going back to food as medicine, which I love and respect so very much. Um, and the things that they're finding, I mean, it's amazing. Like you can, you can change your gene expression with the way that you eat and the lifestyle that you choose to live. And don't we yeah, all huge. like, right. I mean, like, don't and we all want to like live longer? Yeah. And you look at like epigenetics, it's the way you eat can literally turn off or turn on not only your genes, mm-hmm. but your children's genes. So it's, it's DNA methylation, yeah. histone modification at its core. So you eat, you smoke your whole life, you flip genes on, now your kids are going to smoke. You're yeah. obese your whole life, you flip a gene, now your kids are going to be obese. So you're yeah. predisposing not only yourself, but probably your grandchildren at the same time. It's incredible. It's it's amazing. I was at an event in, um, in October and um, Tyler LeBaron from the, the Molecular Hydration Institute was was one of the speakers and I was like completely in awe of this of this um, presentation he did on molecular hydrogen um, and all of these studies that are showing like molecular hydrogen and how they like reduce inflammation and they can help change gene expression they help prolong fasting obviously create you know promoting autophagy and what really caught my attention because I, I again I'm, I'm expecting our, our third fourth baby um was that he, there were some studies done that um, showed that women that drank water that was infused with molecular hydrogen um, ended up reducing their baby's risk of um, autism, like greatly reducing the risk. So I'm, I'm all over it. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking like molecular hydrogen water <laughs> every day. It's, and autism, uh, the autism, uh, we're looking at all, all of these issues related to that, to mm-hmm. the d- dementia at the core, are increasing. And, and it's not yeah. due to like some weird vaccine scandal or something. It's due to the fact that we aren't taking care of our bodies and our bodies yeah. are shifting and adjusting and creating a new evolution based on the way we're living. Mm-hmm. And it might be living less, uh, not living as long. It might be creating problems in order to combat other problems. And, and so you have to understand and recognize that it's not a, I need to fix my diet when I'm broken. It's, I need to fix my diet now so my children don't suffer and my children's children don't suffer and I don't create a timeline and a history of this and this is yeah. where why someone you go in the doctor and they say do you have a history of heart disease and you say well yes my grandfather had it. okay cool well guess what your grandfather flipped on the switch and then your dad had the switch and now you have the switch you can thank your family members for whatever happened that created the problem to flip that switch because now you have it and you're going to pass it on unless you can modify and adjust your diet and hopefully somehow figure out a way to switch it off for your next generation Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's why, you know what? Like I have got to, I got to do this. Like I got to like spit in this cup and I got to turn this in and like learn. I don't even 
know my nationality. <laughs> like, isn't that wild? <laughs> um, and which is a little sad if I, like, I just tell people now, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like French and like all this other stuff. Just a bunch um, whatever of I feel like being, yeah. Um, but no, I like, this is something that's really important. Like, I want to know what's going on, like what I could possibly be predisposed for. Um, I feel though, like I really feel passionate about the way that I, that I choose to eat and live. Um, cause I feel really good and, and just, I I continue to study it all the time. I mean, I think like when you're really passionate about something and you choose a lifestyle, it's important to be like a student of your industry. Um, and, and I do feel that the way I choose to eat and live is, is the healthiest way. And I do make this like a lifestyle. Like I am not a crazy keto person. I was just <laughs> telling you, like I went to Italy and you know, people were like, Oh, how are you going to stay keto in Italy? I'm like, I'm not like, I know it can be done. I just have like zero desire to, I want to eat all of the pizza and pasta and gelato. And then when I come home, I don't want to eat that stuff at all. I'm we're and my whole family, by the way, is like, Oh, like no pizza or pasta or ice cream for a long time. Like, yeah, we, we did it up. <laughs> yeah, we did good. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. It, this, and this isn't all doom and gloom because if you eat healthy most of the time, you eat keto most of the time, you follow the 80% rule, you're going to be able to switch your genes. You're going to be able to flip the switches in the direction you want. Mm-hmm. And the other aspect is you're going to heal your gut. So that way you're not so susceptible to autoimmune disease. And, and that's how I focus too. I'm, I'm great most of the time, but on Tuesdays, I religiously eat tacos for dinner. And on awesome. Fridays, I religiously eat pizza for dinner. And, mm-hmm. and those are my two days. And occasionally a Sunday is we go to the movies and eat popcorn. So we, we take those three meals out of the day, out of all the other meals and have a little bit of fun and it doesn't affect or create problems. So we continue doing it. And, and that's how you should live. Because if you try to be hundred percent strict, hundred percent of the time, it's not sustainable. You're going to bounce in and out of diets and you're going to create a lifestyle to where you think it doesn't work for you. But in reality, you just approached it in the wrong way. Exactly. And I think like that, how you approach it too, there's definitely that like mindset component and you sometimes, and I see this with my clients a lot, like they'll already like self-impose these limiting beliefs on themselves. Like, well, I can never have this one food again. Otherwise, you know, it'll just be a slippery slope for me and, and I'll never recover. Well, how do you really know that? You know, I mean, like, and, it, and if you're telling yourself that now, then yeah, that's going to be true. Or you can just be like, I'm going to have this. I'm going to choose not to feel guilty about it. I'm going to choose to enjoy every single bite of it. And then I'm going to choose to put it down and get right back to the way that, of eating and living that makes me feel good. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to eat it. And I'm going to be proud of it. I'm going to take a picture of that pizza I ate and post it on Instagram. So that way the whole world knows I did it too. And I'm going to move on the next day and start doing what I was doing. It's not a failure. It's it's actually a successful endeavor because I'm putting myself in a position where I'm going to do this long term and I know that I need it to be sustainable. And if I go 100% strict, I'm going to hate it. If I wake up in four years and I'm like, I haven't had a, a carb in four years. I'm, I'm, I'm a genius, but I'm going to feel terrible. I'm not going to want to mm-hmm. do it anymore. I'm going to fall apart eventually. And, and you're not going to, you're going to get burnout is the ultimate issue with it. Yeah. You know what? And like, to your point, I feel like I need to be a little bit more like authentic on my Instagram and on my Facebook and stuff with like posting some of the pictures of the food that I eat. That's not even remotely keto because I don't want, you know, like my followers to think that like they need to strive for perfection and then feel like bad or guilty or any certain negative way when, when they do choose to eat things that are not on their plan. Like, yeah. And it humanizes you. Yeah. Oh, she cheats too. So it's, oh, it makes it okay. And it's mm-hmm. no longer, I feel like a terrible person cause I cheated or I had bad, bad food and she eats perfect all the time, obviously according to her Instagram. Yeah. But they, if they see that, Oh look, pizza today, they're like, huh, you cheat too. Wow. That's incredible. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you're humanized in their eyes. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm sure that like, you know why I haven't done it? It's mostly because like, I, I don't like dealing with like the internet haters and the trolls that are like, Oh, oh my worst. God. Like, right. Like I, I, I just like, haven't wanted to like deal with that. So I guess that that's why I haven't really like put that out there. It's not cause I'm ashamed of it. Like it's just truly like how I'm, how I'm living my life <laughs> and yeah. like, no one else is living in my body trying to like, you know, run after all these other kids that I've got and keep another one alive and, you know, all the other things. And like, I mean, their opinion is really none of my business, you know, like someone else, I think Rachel Hollis says that like your someone else's opinion of you is none of your business. And it's totally true. I just don't, maybe like I'll just post it and then not look at the comments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's one of the why worst do we things have to do that. Yeah. I, I always find that if, if I post something and you've put a well-informed, well-articulated comment about it, and then it's a legitimate question or it's a legitimate concern that I will go back and forth. But if you post immediately and it's just an attack block ban gone. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. I have like used that a lot and it was something that I never used to do before. Cause I was like, well, I mean, you know, everyone's in their own place and you know, free love and peace and all this other stuff. <laughs> and now, no, I've definitely like blocked people, which has always felt weird to me, but like, you're right. It's like, you don't have room for that in your life. Yeah. And they're so mean. It's like, would you yeah. say that if you were standing in front of me? Probably not, but you <laughs> type on your keyboard and all of a sudden you're an angry weirdo. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Oh my God, I need to like raise, we need to like be like, we need to raise our children to not be like mean internet trolls. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And teach them empathy. Like, mm-hmm. look, even if you're typing it on the computer, there's a person on the other side of that. And the same thing with like road rage, there's a person in that car. They probably right. didn't mean to cut you off. So just brush it off and move on. Or right. the internet, you see that comment, who cares? Just, it's not going to affect you. In five years, is that person's comment going to affect your life? No. Okay. Move on. Right. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> exactly good point. <laughs> so, so this has been good. I think we've had a great conversation. I, I wrote a bunch of notes so everybody can pay attention to it in the show notes and everything. But if people want to get more information about keto and learn more about you and what you're doing, how can they find out? Um, you know what? I think the best way to get me is on my website. Um, it's ketogenicliving101.com. And you can download, I've got like tons of free resources there that you can download. Um, a blog that is posted, you know, like once a week. And um, like, so my Instagram handle is keto living Kate. But I have to be honest, like I have really been like, (laughs) this sounds silly, but like I've been doing some like soul searching on like what I want to change my Instagram handle to, because I don't want to like just be known for nutrition. I just want to be me. And by the way, like the Kate had a Mio, um, Instagram handle is already taken. Like somebody stole my name. (laughs) That's terrible. You got to get it back or put Kate put underscore official at the end or yeah. Or like the real, maybe I'll be like celeb. I don't know. The real slim shady. Yeah. Yeah. The real slim Katie. <laughs> yeah, That's perfect. There you go. <laughs> Don't steal it listeners. Yeah. Do not take it. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. So if you guys want to check her out, go to ketogenic living 101.com or keto living Kate on Instagram until she changes it, then find the new one that she changes it to. But I hope y'all had enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed talking about it. I, I like the stuff quite a bit. If you have questions for me, just go to facebook.com forward slash Chan logic and I'll help you out if you can't figure out kate's website or her instagram handle just send me a message and i'll send you the link to it but that is it and if you could give people one piece of advice in one sentence what would it be before we wrap up kate don't compare yourself to anyone else just do you boo yeah boom be you do you be you (laughs) yes (laughs) all right that is it we'll see you guys later until next week see ya